Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of Post Game Overtime. I am Will, joined as always with Brandon Corbiel. Brandon, how are we doing? Oh, we are doing very good. Um, I currently also have the Flames game on to see the implosion of them, and they actually just scored. So Again? They scored a while ago and then yeah. immediately got clapped back by Montreal with like 20 seconds later, Montreal tied it back up. So is it yeah, 2-1 now, that, now? Yeah, 2-1 now. I don't know, man. I think I think we could be a cup contender now. <laughs> the Flames are in such a tough spot. Do you know who's in a worse spot? Yeah, who? The San Jose Sharks. On, not honestly, the Sharks, the no. Sharks. The no. Sharks. They're not even a full shit or a fart. They're a shark. The thing is, is is like, yeah, currently in in the current state of the team, um. Yeah, I mean they're worse, but but in terms of where the franchise at compared to Calgary, they're in a way better spot because they at least have a direction that they're going in. Like they're going through a rebuild. They've already got good pieces um to you know start that rebuild. Hopefully, my guess would is be assuming they don't lose the draft lottery, another uh well, not another, but a first overall pick added into that mix. They're in a good spot. The Flames, I think they're just in a tough spot because the team they have isn't going to win the cup. Like even flames fans know that. And, but they're not bad enough to be getting good draft picks and good prospects coming in. Like they're, they're right in the middle of the pack, which is such a tough spot to be in. Um, cause, cause you, you have no direction. You can't really trend upwards or downwards with the current state of the team. Buddy, that's the flames specialty. Dude, it really, what really we is. Past. We finished 15th in the league and get dick all. Dude, like that's literally what it is. They should have. I mean, it, it's kind of looking like it's inevitable that a rebuild's going to kind of have to happen, or at least a a retool, which is still going to take you know three years or so. So I mean, but love So speaking of some hockey news, not to jump on this, uh, start off on too dark of a note. Um, but I'm I'm dying to hear your opinion on this. Okay. You know the Adam Johnson situation. Yeah. Have you heard the update? Um, I so I, I got really kind of annoyed because I got a lot of um so I, I don't really know the full situation which is going on. I kind of put pieces together, but my phone was just blown up with a bunch of notifications about it, saying that someone and, and that's literally what it said. It just said someone was arrested in the investigation of the event. And it's like, well, it's, it's very clear cut and dry who that person is. Like if they're arresting someone for this and, and all that, like it's very clear who that individual is. So I don't know why they're making it so mysterious. Like, oh, someone got arrested for it. It's like, but anyways, like if you know more, if you want to give me a quick. I don't, I don't. So, so the okay. player, I don't even know the player's name. It's like um, Matt. Or Matthew Pettigrave or something. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'll uh, I'll try and. But yeah, so I know. You look it up and you say he's been arrested. Yeah. So he's been arrested. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Can I give my out-of-pocket opinion? Oh, yeah. By all means. That's what we do here. I don't know. 
if an arrest would have been made if Pettigrave wasn't black. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, I'm just going to say that right now. If Sid the Kid did this, if Connor Bedard did this, oh no, we'd be saying seeing manslaughter charges. I think if Evander Kane did this, I, I think the I think biggest, if P.A. Subban did this, I I think the biggest difference for me at least, I think because wh- where what um, I don't I don't even know what where that the league is that it happened in England. Like I know it. Okay, so from my understanding, it's um protocol by uh like. The, the police over there like that ha- like an arrest had to be made at least in regard because i mean it, like it, it's a situation where you know a young young man passed away so i, I it sounds like from what i know is it's protocol that um you know he kind of had to be arrested for it and has to do questioning and whatnot but i don't it doesn't sound at least as of right now that like you know he, he's gonna go to jail and and do time for it because at least in most people's minds, this was a complete freak accident. Like I know there's people out there that believe he purposely went in and jumped and kicked his leg up and, and all that. And, and, and first of all, like anyone that's played hockey or even skated knows that that's like impossible when you're flying through the zone to then jump up and immediately kick your leg up that high while on skates. Like that's not really something, you know, that, that people can do. But I think it's just protocol that um, he had to be arrested and questioned and and all that is part of the investigation and, and the case that it's now become. Do you think do you think there was some intention to that to that injury to that no. death? No. And and also, if, if this happened over, like, say this incident happened over in the NHL, I don't really know how that how it would be handled. Like, I don't know if anyone would even be. You know actually arrested and, and taken in regarding it. Like I'm not, I'm not sure how, how it would happen over here in North America. Um, but, but well, I, I personally don't believe that he, that, that, that was his intention. Like he well, was so, coming through the zone flying and it looked like he kind of clipped an oncoming player and, and it almost maybe looks like he kind of toe picked a bit. And then when you're, you know, skating and traveling at the high speeds, they do a quick toe pick or something can send you flying or a quick, a clip of skate on skate with someone like it's when you're going at that kind of speed it did look like there was a trip of some sort like i don't think he kung fu got his skate up there on his own accord that being said um hockey's golden child and someone that has never done something dirty in his nhl career uh sean avery yeah no he was a clean player cleanest player to ever yeah. live him and matt cook yeah i was gonna um, say they were the kind of the they were really the new age that they kind of brought the the sportsmanship to the game actually <laughs> kind of kind of pioneers i would say of yeah real of friendliness and hockey yeah yeah 100 percent. so sean avery hops on fox news wearing a happy dad t-shirt and was like yeah that was dirty oh i saw that actually yeah <laughs> he was wearing a like happy just, dad but just that the combination of those three i don't want to hear any any opinions on what is dirty and what is clean let alone if one of the players involved is a racial minority from sean avery wearing a happy dad t-shirt on fox news those three things like if i'm filling out 
That is that is like a that's a cards against humanity prompt. Sean Avery wearing a happy dad t-shirt went on Fox News to talk about blank. Yeah. <laughs> that is a cards against humanity prompt right there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it and really is. Sean Avery is saying it's it's it was dirty. Now what I'll say and again, I understand in the past it hasn't resulted in a death, but we've seen these kinds of things before where mm-hmm. a player comes crashing into the net and usually it's the goalie that gets it. We've seen a goalie get his neck slashed a few times. Yeah. And and the trainer runs out, pinches the, the, the blood, the artery, whatever. Player's life is saved. And all we really hear about is the uh, trainer. Yeah. As as I think we should, there, there, there's less of a tragedy in those situations. But in those situations, and and I get it's different when someone's life does end. I I fully understand that, and I'm not trying to take anything away from from Johnson's death. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, you never hear an attempted murder charge or anything of that. Yeah. Of of that of that light. Now I it it feels to me like this was kind of like the um. This feels to me like it was kind of like the T Higgins, Demar Hamlin case where there is still people coming out being like T Higgins did that on purpose. Yeah. And I don't know. Now, what I will say is I've seen a clip. Apparently. Oh, did you just hear a kayak ad go on in the background? No, no, no. I'm pulling up a clip. I did see a clip earlier, um, a while ago of someone saying that 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 they felt it was intentional because they've seen apparently Pet Grave had done this before to somebody. Oh, okay. Not get the throat, but but kind of collide and have a skate kick up. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're they're showing us. I'm watching the slow mo here. Does kind of look like he lifts his leg a bit. I'm not gonna lie. Ooh, okay. Well, that angle that was slowed down a bit doesn't look great. I'm gonna be honest. It doesn't look great. It but it, but again. Again, the the thing is, though, is the one that I always go back to because people's reasoning is, look at look like look at his skate get that high. There's never a reason why your skate should be that high. The very first thing that comes to my mind is I think of the Stanley Cup final when, um, uh, the the Boston Bruins are playing the St. Louis Blues and Tory Krug and I can't remember who it was, but he was battling with. It might have been David Prawn. They were battling in front of Boston's net. Uh, they got into a bit of a scrum. Krug's helmet ended up getting knocked off. And then I think Prawn went off the ice. So Tory Krug gets up and he's, you know, just furious and understandably. No helmet on. He skates like as fast as he can down the ice and just lines up the St. Louis player breaking out of their end. And he hammers him full force. And Tory Krug's skate goes up about five and a half feet in the air from that hit because of the the force there he hit him and just they went flying and his skates went flying up and i think that also hit is part of the reason why they now put in the rule of when your helmet 
is knocked off, it's either you grab it and put it back on your head or you get off the ice. You can't play without a helmet because Krug almost just ruined his career. I mean, it was a beautiful hit, but doing it without a helmet on is is a little scary. But but again, his his skates went way high up there. No one really batted an eye at it there. And I think it's only because nobody got injured out of it. Yeah. Whereas if he hit the guy and there was a guy skating behind and the skate came up and caught him, you know, I think everybody would be like, oh, it, it, I don't think people would have thought that it was was intentional. Have you seen, have you, you've seen the clip? I unfortunately have. Yeah. I, I, I tried so hard not to watch it for the longest time. And then it ended up popping up and I caught a glimpse of it. And I was, it, 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 it's not a, it's a tough, it's a tough video to watch. It's a tough watch. It is a tough watch. I, I saw the clip quickly a while ago. I'm watching it a few times back now. It's not looking like the cleanest play ever. I'm going to be honest with you. But when you're when you're coming in, you know it looks like he lifts and, his and back, there's a guy. Right. Well, because I think he's trying to kind of shift out of the way of of the opposing player. He's trying to jump to the side, and they're they're so when he's already kind of moving his momentum to the left, and he's going so fast forward, and then he gets hit on the right side, like that just sends your you you flying there. You don't really have any balance or stability there. You almost kind of get ragdolled by it that's fair but when i hear when i when i hear sean avery on fox news wearing a happy dad t-shirt i think whatever is about to be told to me is fact that is true that is yeah i don't i'm I'm very curious to see how the whole situation plays out because i think this is something that is probably going to be dragged out for a decent amount of time. Like, I don't think it's going to be something that's, uh, you know, wrapped up and done within a couple weeks or something. Yeah. Um, so also it, in yeah. the news, and I'm, I'm excited because you played hockey at a pretty high level. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear your take on this. Okay. Um, I don't know where you're na- going with this. Well, no, 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 no. This is a serious question. So there's now being regulation. Um, being suggested that I think in 2024, 2025, in the least in that English league, neck guards are going to be mandatory. And I'm yeah, curious and- to hear what you're because I, I played at a I played at a very junior level. I, I played house league and I, I played not not that far in life, but I played and I played at a level where you were sweating. And yeah, and I do remember at the end of the game you're taking off your neck guard and that thing's a puddle and it is uncomfortable. And all game you're you're adjusting it and it's it, it gets a little itchy sometimes. It's not the most comfortable piece of equipment. I'll be I'll I'll say that from the lowest level you can play hockey. I sucked, man. I did. I'd be <laughs> curious to hear you were probably skating a little harder than I did, skating a little faster than I ever did. What is your take about some some suggestion of a regulation towards these these neck guards being being commonplace or even being mandatory because we saw that like we saw that what 30 40 years ago with helmets right helmets didn't used to be a thing yeah and and now they're a thing and and then for a while didn't he, didn't it recently or somewhat recently get changed that now helmets are a thing in warm-ups now too yep. if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah if you don't wear a helmet during warm-ups yeah you do get uh you do get fined. Um, I'm I'm all for it. 
I think, you know what, if regardless of if it's uncomfortable for players, I think if it's implemented in to prevent, you know, something like this from happening again, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, there's already a couple teams in the ECHL and the AHL who have made it mandatory, at least for their team. For net guards, the WHL is bringing that in for mandatory net guards. I, I, I think it might only be a matter of time before it's adapted into the NHL. Um, but, but again, it, it's, it's for the safety of the players, which I think is the number one most important thing. Um, people have been clamoring for years for the league to start doing more stuff regarding player safety and looking out for their players. Bringing this in clearly shows that they care about their players. And I think if it's also something that, again, it becomes mandatory, I think you're going to start seeing more and more um, companies start to really up the level of it, like make them, um, you know, not like still enough to protect players, but make it as breathable of a material as possible, something that's comfortable. And because if they're going to become big and popular, more is going to go into actually making them better and the most optimal um, way they can. And then there's also like, if they're mandatory, teams can start doing like cool stuff with them, with their uniforms. Like it doesn't have to be just a plain black, uh, you know, neck guard. Like the flames could have uh, a bunch of flames all over it. Or the Oilers could have like oil barrels or oil drops because they don't probably have anything cool they could do. Um, but the sharks I, have I like little awesome. fun teeth on them. Um, no, they probably just have a zero representing how many Stanley Cups they have. I like that uh, idea. Well, but, but then I, that, I, I what, how would they be able to differentiate sure. themselves away from the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, that is true. They, 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 they would be identical. Do you think uh, they'd have to have like a zero and then like something to signify that they bombed but didn't bomb enough to get Bedard? Do you yeah. think like do you think there the were one number Hawks, off. Do you think the Blackhawks would have like on their neck guards like a trainer like touching a player or something like that? Uh, you know, with Chicago, I don't know. Um, I think no, I, I think I mean, they should I have to put team the controversy on the neck guards. <laughs> yeah. See, and and they could get away with doing that. Um. But yeah, no. I I mean, I I think that's. That should be the way that it goes because I think you know what, or even if they did something to like adapted in kind of like the the grandfather rule they did with um with visors, it was like I don't know how many it was a little bit ago now, but they made it where if you're playing the NHL, it's mandatory to have a visor on your helmet. You can't go out there with just a a bucket on and no visor. But they also realized you know there's guys like Joe Thornton and Ryan Getzlaff and Jamie Ben guys who have been in the league for for quite a bit now and they've always played with no visor and they're like you know what we can't really force you to now wear it when you've done it for so long so they said like if you came into the league from this point on or after from now on it's you have to wear a visor if you were in the league from this wear point and you came in before it you can get away without wearing one and now i think there's only like a, a few of them for time there's there's not many guys left in in the league now that that don't have a visor because more and more of them are, are retiring with each year. So I could see them doing it something like that. Um, if it's like, you know, you came into the league 
I don't, I don't even know how they would do it, but I think that could also be something that they they look to do for it is, is do it under that kind of grandfather type rule. That'd be interesting. I'd, I'd be very curious to see that. And I think really at the end of the day, what I'm looking for is what does Sean Avery on Fox News and a Happy Dad t-shirt have to say about it? Yeah. Also, you were talking about uh, the other the other gentleman of the game, uh, Matt Cook. He's he's a coach now. He's coaching. Ah, uh, fuck. He's coaching a team that's probably got one of, if not the coolest logo um, in all of hockey. He's coaching the Newfoundland Growlers in in the okay. East Coast Hockey League. So that's that's what Matt Cook is doing now. A, a team trusts him enough to to be a coach and teach players on on the game that that he was very very good at i might add i trust him teaching the game as much as of hockey as much as i trust ben big ben roethlisberger going into the bathroom with my daughter (laughs) all right i don't i don't i don't trust matt cook i don't it's it's nice that even though big ben's retired like he'll never die on this pod i i would rather see A woman I love give a massage to Deshaun Watson than Matt coach a professional hockey team. (laughs) I would rather my girlfriend call me up and be like, hey, I just got featured on Antonio Brown's Snapchat story than see Matt Cook coach a hockey team. I see, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. All right, but before anyways, we move so that's, on. that's what that's what Matt 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 cooks up to. Speaking of charges being late, so hypothetically, so 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 manslaughter, we may see that charge very well go through. It'll be interesting to follow that. And PGO, will we keep you updated? Like maybe we might. Maybe. We'll see if we don't forget. I don't know. Have you guys really come to expect anything from us? We post two episodes in the span of a week, and then we won't post again for like a month. So. Lower your damn we're, expectations. We're so consistent. We like, are. Picture as... how consistent Matt Cook was out there scoring goals every night. Like that's us. We are as consistent as Mac Jones. Yeah. Um. But I would but say la- Russell Wilson, but he kind of cooked. He cooked. We're gonna get to that in a second. We're gonna get to that in a second. So, but la- last but not least, so. So hypothetically, I'm going to run you through a hypothetical scenario, okay? Okay. Ryan Callahan, the forward. You know him? Yeah. Let's say he got herpes. Okay. Should Brad Marchand be, have charges pressed? It's <laughs> a little inside baseball. <laughs> Brad Marchand once licked Ryan Callahan in a game. To be fair, like if he if he did get it, and they can prove that if he came from, from, I mean, like they could. Can you imagine if Dirty Marchand gave someone herpes? That would be hilarious. Didn't he kiss someone too on the cheek or something? Oh, I hope he did a lot of weird. And that that's a captain now. I might might add. Yeah, did you see him bullying Bernard a little bit? Oh yeah, uh, why not? Like I, I saw a lot of people upset about it. It's like why not? Yeah, I think I, I liked it. I, I get Marchand's yeah. a little dirty, but I think that's a bit of a welcome to the NHL kid moment. Well, and 
for, we we all saw it very clearly at the World Juniors last year. Like Bedard's not one to to shy away from chirping guys and, and beacon off at him and mixing mixing up and saying shit. So like, yeah, I think that's no, awesome from Marchand to, one, to kind of give to it sh- back and be like, you know, yeah. establish his dominance. I would say, yeah, yeah, show his show his seniority in the league. Although I will say Bedard is one to shy away from having McDonald's, that little fucking loser. Yeah. Eat some Mackers, kid. Put some meat on those bones. Just kidding. He's I still, and could kill I still don't like even believe that, that he's never had junk food or fast food in his life. Like, there's just no way. There isn't, but it's still funny to think about. Oh, yeah. Um. So, okay, before, what, what do we want to get into first? We got, we got 30 minutes left. I don't know if you folks have noticed, last episode we capped it an hour. We're capping this one at an hour. We are trying to make our episodes more condensed. We're trying to be consistent. We're actually trying. We are. Hey, we're actually we, we putting an effort. We got, we're getting another episode out within a week of the last episode. Are you not fucking entertained, folks? Exactly. Are you not um, titillated? Okay, what do you want to get in first? We got a little NFL and we got a little UFC. Uh, the, the first thing I want to do, just, this will just be kind of quick just to do it, but CFL. CFL. Um, well, okay, that's the third one. So let's do CFL first then. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, spoiler, the parlay didn't hit. None of the legs hit. Fun what fact. A PGO parlay um, was that. Like we can't we said we were coming back hot and heavy, and boy did we ever. Dude, the I, account is back in life support. I, I'll yeah, be honest. We're we're in a rebuild. Um we're we're the sharks right now. We're the we San Jose are. sharks. I'm I'm I don't know because I was it was I was watch I watched both games and it was very early on to start the Toronto-Montreal game. Toronto was just marching down the field, looking so good to start the game. And I was about to tweet out, and I was, I was going to be like, this is going to be a route for Toronto. Like, they just looked so good. And then all of a sudden, they get down in the red zone. Boom. They, uh, Chad Kelly of the Argonauts throws a pick six the other way. All of a sudden, now Montreal's up 7 nothing. I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give it a little bit. Let Toronto get back into it. And then I'll put some now. And then they never, never really got back into it. Um, Montreal's defense just absolutely ate Toronto alive. Like Chad Kelly probably, I think, will be the MVP for this season. Um, led Toronto to tie the, uh, the, the CFL regular season record for most wins this season. Uh, coming hot off a, a great cup last year. He goes out there and throws four interceptions. Lays an egg. And then, I mean, Montreal's offense wasn't great, but they didn't need to be. All they had to do is at least just be consistent. And that's what they they got out of their offense. And then their defense just completely took over that game for them. And they go on to stomp Toronto in a 38-17 game, which... Is kind of what I thought the score was going to be. Only I thought it was going to be Toronto with the the thirty eight, and then Montreal with the seventeen, and then, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not. And then Winnipeg beat BC. Um, the over didn't hit either. I mean, I'm not surprised Winnipeg won. Like, I, I mean, they they realistically should have. I just thought everything was kind of looking good in the direction for for BC but again Winnipeg's defense is just 
so good. They're so experienced. That defense has been together for a while. And they're... I, I, I can't even think of what the right word is. Their experience, I would say, of of being in those moments and what is it now? Four years in a row? Winnipeg's gone to the Great Cup. They haven't lost uh, the the Western final at home since like 94 or something like that. Like it's a insanely long time. Dynasty. Um, but so, yeah, so now we know uh, that... I guess it's yeah this this upcoming Sunday, so we'll probably put out an episode later uh, this week and kind of talk about the Great Cup matchup a bit more. Um, but but it's got it's got some cool storylines. Um, both quarterbacks for for Winnipeg and Montreal, Zach Kolaris and uh, Cody Fajardo, um, both formerly quarterbacks of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Cody Fajardo kind of took over. Um, for Zach, you had to get your boys in there, eh? You just had to slide your fucking boys in there. Because because there's such a cool story to it. So, um, Kolaros was, was there for, I can't remember however many years, but then so many concussions. And then, so the riders moved on from when they move on to Cody Fajardo. And then not last year, but the two years before that, the two years that Winnipeg um, went back to back and won the Grey Cups. They played Saskatchewan in the Western final, and it was those two quarterbacks going up against each other. And Zach Kloss was always able to squeak by and uh, get the win, especially in the one game where at the end the Riders hit the the upright, so it was a dead ball, and and they lost. So now it's kind of cool to see two years later they're now facing each other again in the playoffs. Only this time it's it's in the Great Cup game rather than just the the Western Finals. And this time the stinky Rough Riders aren't in it. Well, they 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 had no chance. I mean, it was everybody knew that it was pretty much going to be Winnipeg coming out of the the West. Like the only team that could have really given them a run at all was BC, and they even came up short. Um, but it's kind of cool to see this Montreal team that's not a, a big heavy wagon like Toronto was, and kind of a a scrappy team that just plays hard and they they have no quitting them getting to the finals here. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how how they match up against this Winnipeg team that's been so is that so dominant for the last last couple of years. Yeah, this up this upcoming Sunday. Do we wanna do we wanna do a you know a same game little PGO action on it? Yeah, we're well we're we're gonna have to do yeah we're gonna have to do something for it. Do we want to maybe do it a little closer too, or what? what yeah, are we, what are I we say we'll, we'll I say we'll probably wait and and do it just to like when whenever we we put something out uh, but uh, later in the week before the game, just so we can kind of wait and see if any news comes up before the the games or anything. I will say the opening game line does have the Blue Bombers as a heavy minus ten favorite. Yeah, I mean, as it as it should be, like it's this is a very very uh, one sided in terms of this. Like Winnipeg's just so dominant and it, just talent wise, like it, it makes all the sense in the world that Winnipeg's a huge favorite. Yeah, but hey, man, we thought that about. We thought that about the uh, did, the Argos. Th- yeah, exactly. And I I fell I fell to that. So I yeah I think it I think it's going to be a lot closer than than people may think because this Montreal team is is, is having a, a a good good little run here and 
maybe they're the the team to take Winnipeg out this year because no one else has been able to really. Well, you know, I'll be watch. I'll be closer to the TV than I'm close when Sean Avery comes on Fox News wearing a Happy Dad T-shirt. Damn so. straight. Damn straight, baby. All right, that kind of wraps up. So anything more to say on the CFL? I am excited for the Grey Cup. Green Day is playing at halftime. Yeah. That's yeah, no, honestly, yeah. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. Again, I'm really, I mean, every time we saw Kolaris and Fajardo go up against each other before, it was always a good, a good game. You know, those guys, it always kind of felt like one of those things where those two guys brought the best out of each other. That's adorable. Um, it was almost like even though they're on opposite teams, it's kind of like they were feeding off each other. Like one would go out and put together an amazing drive, and then the other guy's like, "Hey, I'm going to go out there and and do it even in less amount of plays or in less time or something." They would go out there and and uh, light it up. So I'm I'm just excited to see these two, you know, go to battle in in the, in the biggest game of of the the season here now with everything on the line. It'll it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Um, do you do you want to just give a, a quick early prediction? Um, I mean, early prediction, it's probably going to be Winnipeg. I, I'm going to be rooting. Um, no. But I, I am rooting for Montreal because I, it, it would, I would like to see Fajardo, um, you know, prove people wrong. Like, I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off after the riders let him go. He's, he's coming to Montreal and, uh, done everything he can right there so it, it would be nice to see him finally get that uh get that ring that he's been, kind of been been chasing for for a little bit now fair enough hey, i like it i i like the uh i'm thinking aloe or a little bit of uh alouettes plus 10 action on the game but hey that's just the early prediction folks we will come back to you later yeah. PGO. all right next up Next up, we got, speaking of blowing parlays, because our CFL parlay laid an egg. Would you say that? Yeah. Speaking of parlays that didn't And that do... one's my fault. That one's my fault. <laughs> Shit. Okay, well then, do you want to talk about the parlay that was my fault? Yeah, let's talk about the one that was your fault. UFC 295, folks. First off, what a card. I was unfortunately not able to watch it live as I was uh, doing some shows. Um, I was in another town doing some comedy, uh, but I, uh, I did, I did catch all the highlights. I did catch all the news, all the post game, post fight interviews. Do you want a quick recap of what happened, Mr. Brandon? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, um, I caught a lot of, lot of the highlights of, but I, I don't like, not, not a whole lot of it stuck with me as much. Like I kind of know the results, but I don't know any of like the highlights or anything. So if you want to give me a quick, uh, quick recap, that would be, be fine and dandy. Well, I'll tell you right off the bat, every single fight on the main card was a KO TKO. Yeah. Not and a, they, a lot of them were fight, early, weren't they? Not a single fight on the main card made it out of the second round. Yeah. So people um, got their money's worth for, for, for this card. Yeah, if if you come to see KOs, man, you sure got a lot of it. Uh, Diego Lopez with the first round knockout, a minute thirty into the fight. Um, ben Saint Denis, I'm messing up his name, I think. Uh, with another minute thirty one first round KO, so both of them. I think it's Saint Denis, isn't it? 
Sure. I think that's how, I don't know. Who knows? What do we know, uh, right? Very little. That's what I know. Um, but yeah, both of them are being talked about as potential, uh, very exciting fighters that can be kind of maybe headlining their own um, fight night soon here in the future. So that's going to be very exciting to look at. Um, then we got kind of onto the PGO parlay side of things. Mackenzie Dern. She was yep. not able to come through, losing to a TKO by Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade knocked her down four times in the fight. Um, wow. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is tied for a UFC record, and that is the most knockdown in a women's MMA fight. Sean Strickland will love that. Oh, do you want to quickly do you want to go into that real quick? Do we want to talk no, 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 about just, that real quick? If there's anything more from the other two fights, you want to add him first before we hop into that. Um, by all means. Yeah, I think uh, I'm just I'm looking at I'm looking at some some highlights. It looks like Dern didn't look like she did horrible or anything. She was able to toss her down at one point, but it looked like she was just outmatched on the feet. Um, from Jessica Andrade, uh, I don't know. Jessica Andrade is just such a dangerous striker. Don't tell Sean Strickland I said that. Um, <laughs> but it was a um, it it was one hell of a fight, man. Like I said, I didn't I didn't catch all of it. I wasn't able to catch much of it. But I think it was the most knockdowns in a women's MMA or women's UFC history in one fight. That's so. Right on. Exactly. Quite impressive. And um, here, wait a second. I'm going to see if I'm trying to pull up what the KO is. Oh. Oh, what? Did you see it? Okay, no. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I thought that was it. Keith Peterson didn't stop it early, so Dominic Cruz would be happy with that one. He didn't smell of booze and cigarettes, as Keith Peterson normally does. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Mackenzie Dern just kind of got shit stomped on the feet there. Uh, she looked competitive, but I think she was just outmatched heavily by the power of Jessica Andrade. So, yeah, that's not Man. that's not great. Um, nor is it great for our parlay. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, no. That was that was the first loss of the night. And that didn't. Now, I will say this. Our other two fights we had right. Um, where I, where I was quite wrong, as I said, both of them would go over a round and a half. Um, the main event did, it went, it went one minute over that marker. So I squeaked that one out. Yeah. But hey, you know, that's, par- that's more than I did. That's more than I did in the CFO. Well, but because I parlayed it together, that meant nothing because, yeah. uh, Tom Aspinall cooked Sergey Pavlovich one minute into the first round. Yeah. Um, an incredibly quick fight, not, not much to be said. Not, not yeah, much to be said. There's not much that can be said when it's a, a minute long fight. Like, Yeah, I, I think, I think it was an amazing fight from what I heard, from what I saw, the final KO was, um, terrific. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think they should, they should post the full fight. I don't get why UFC... Sometimes they'll do that if it's a super quick knockout. They'll just they'll just post the full fight because why not? Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, there was it from what I saw, there was a, you know, a little bit of feeling out for 10 seconds. And then, you know, once, once Aspinall was able to connect, that was kind of all she wrote. Good night, Irene. Um, and, uh, and I do think, I think Aspinall is the future of that heavyweight division. I think this may not be popular, but I think the UFC should scrap the Jones-Stipe-Miocic rematch, or not the rematch, but the Stipe-Jones fight. I think Aspinall should fight Jones when when Jones comes back, or Aspinall should fight Stipe next. Yeah. I understand I understand both of them want that fight for the sake of legacy. I understand Jones-Stipe does make sense in that legacy terms because... Jones said it's his last fight. Stipe very well could be Stipe's last fight. Both of them are getting a little long in the tooth. But to me, it feels like... I don't know. To me, it feels like it's its kind of a battle of the retirements. It's like you're you are giving these two guys both, both their last fights together, and then that way one kind of gets to go out on top. Which I understand that. I understand the the feeling of that i understand the i don't know i i i i get the marketing behind that i really do i understand that there's a lot of hate sometimes when the ufc puts up an old vet up against the young rising star just so this young rising star can make a name off of that old vet and i recognize mm-hmm. that there's the risk that if jones beats aspinall and then retires that does kind of fuck up the division. Yeah. Right. Aspinall will struggle to become that kind of legitimate champ status, even if he's able to get the belt back afterwards. Cause if Joan beats him and then Jones leaves, right. We kind of saw that in the light heavyweight division. And I think it's just starting to get back on track now with, um, uh, Alex Pereira kind of getting that win over Yuri Prohaska. But I think when you have a fighter like that, that is so dominant, that does have such a name. If he beats the champ and then walks away, what do you do? Right. We saw that a little bit. Now, luckily the middleweight division kind of got saved by Robert Whitaker and then by, by Israel Adesanya. And then it's now it's kind of up in the air, but it's a very exciting division with Sean Strickland in it. But I think we saw that with the middleweight division when GSP came up to fight Michael Bisbing and then retired afterwards. Because Bisbing was kind of out of contention. He was old. He was older. He was done. Um, GSP came in, won, and then retired. However, I feel like we're kind of setting ourselves up for a similar situation if we keep the Jones-Miocic fight. Because Jones beats Miocic and then retires. It's kind of like, well, what did that prove? Miocic had lost. Miocic is no longer the champ. Right, I get Michael Bisbing was an older champ and was already close to retirement, but he was still the champ. Miocic is no longer the champ. We shouldn't be making this, propping up this historic fight. He's coming off of a loss. Stipe is coming yeah. off of, why, why can't, say it in the back so the people can hear it. Stipe Miocic is not coming off a win. Why are we giving him the John Jones fight as a potential retirement fight to try and cement this guy's legacy. I think we are papering John Jones's legacy if we do this. And and that's no disrespect to Stipe Miocic. I think he's still an amazing champ. He was an amazing champ, had the best heavyweight run in the UFC company's history. And yes, that means something. Yes, that's worth something. 
but he is no longer the champion. Yeah. Why are we propping him up after a loss? Let me look that up. Stipe Miocic, his last fight. I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure. His last fight was a loss. It was, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I, I'm pretty sure, but I'm, I'm checking myself. I'm checking myself before I wreck myself. His last fight was a KO loss in the second round to Francis Ngannou. And that one, actually, that one was a little while ago, wasn't it? It was. It was in 2021. It yeah. was two years ago. About to be three years ago. Why are we setting... He hasn't fought in three years, and his last fight was a brutal KO. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Why are we, why are we, why are we running this? And why are we cementing John Jones's legacy on that? I like John Jones. I think he's a great fighter. I think he's an even better driver. Okay, that was too far. I think, I think he's an even better spouse. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll stop. But John Jones, if you yeah. want to cement his legacy, yes, I understand that could leave a paper champ in that division. But you let him fight Tom Aspinall. You put the best against the best. Right now, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinions, Tom Aspinall is the best in that heavyweight division. I don't think Stipe beats Tom Aspinall. And if we have questions about that, if we have questions, John Jones tore his peck off of his shoulder or whatever, off of his chest. He tore that muscle. You send, while he's in physiotherapy, you send Stipe Miocic to Tom Aspinall. You let them do that fight. And then you unify that belt with John Jones. Because then if Stipe beats Tom Aspinall, boom, you got that big legacy fight back. Boom, Stipe showed he's still the best. Boom, you have all of that. And if Stipe loses to Aspinall, then if John wants that final legacy cap off, you give him Aspinall. Setting up that Miocic fight is stupid. Yeah, I had him out of breath. Hey, no, yeah, yeah, that's I, my I, rant for the episode. Yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. Do you think it we can sense. clip that? Was my mic popping? Probably. Well, I think we easily can. Was the audio okay for that? Oh yeah, no, you were you were good. Crystal clear, baby, as I always am. Yeah. I don't know. I just you didn't get, I don't you didn't like get that too fight. heated. Yeah, no, I I, like I totally. You know when you when you break it down like that, like it makes so much sense though. Um, I totally so, get where you're coming from. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's my opinion. Did you see the clip of Dana White talking about John Jones? Uh no, I didn't. It, it, you'll you'll get a laugh out of it. So Dana White's talking about it. He goes, you know, the great thing about John Jones is when he found out about the injury, he immediately flew to California, got surgery, and and went into rehab. And then he paused okay. and he went physiotherapy uh, oh john jones went yeah. to physiotherapy yeah <laughs> yeah that's a okay that's a bit of a tough one that's a tough one but classic yeah I think dana. If, classic dana well i think if jones is gonna be out for a while and maybe he's not maybe he's gonna pull an aaron Rodgers. that guy's looking like he might even be back in december some people are saying yeah the dmt and ayahuasca do wonderful things to the body allegedly I just think 
I just think we are we are we are being silly and we are being short sighted if we think the fight to make is Jones Miocic. I don't think it's the fight. I, I don't I don't understand why we're pretending it's the fight. I think we're whoever's saying it the fight, other than you know, obviously the UFC brass is saying the fight, and obviously they know more than I do. But I'm going to be honest, I think that's a stupid fight to make. Um, for the light heavyweight division, yeah. Alexander Pereira beat Yuri Prohatska. I think um, Jamal Hill, when he comes back, I think he's kind of next in line if he's able to be back soon. I think that's going to be a very interesting title reign. I think Pereira has the... I think he has the potential to hold that belt for a while. I think there is also the risk of... Um, um, what's it called? I think there's the risk of someone like an Ankalaev, like a Russian wrestler, that that is able to just grind out Pereira to a decision or submit him. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I I can't imagine someone of Pereira's stature and striking ability isn't at least drilling grappling almost every day. Like I would imagine yeah. Pereira is a smart enough fighter that he hasn't. Yes. He's, he's only like eight fights, 10 fights in the UFC. It's crazy how quickly this run is. He's a two division champ. That's insane. That being said, I think, um, I think there needs to be some time. Um, yeah. Or, or I think there must have been some time for him to at least develop some sort of ground game. So I will be curious to see when he's up against a ground fighter. I saw Chael Sonnen talking on it, saying he thinks Pereira has not improved since his first first fight in the UFC. And I challenge that very hard. And the reason I and what I challenge that based off is in the first fight between him and Izzy in UFC, Izzy was able to take him down. Mm-hmm. Jan Blahovich was not able to take him down. That's improvement. That is improvement. Yeah. Yes, he took him down in the first round, but then Pereira was able to stuff that takedown in the second round, if I'm remembering this correctly. So for you to say he hasn't at least shown some improvements in his ground game, I think that is ridiculous. Are there better grapplers than Blahovich? Of course there are. But I think I think if that doesn't show you he's at least improving, um, I hope I hope Pereira can have at least four successful title defenses. I think after John Jones in that division, what getting like eleven title defenses, I think I think that hurt the division. Yeah. Cause then he left and then then Blahovich beat Reyes, then Glover beat Blahovich, then Prohaska beat Glover, then Prohaska got injured, then Blahovich and Ankalaev draw, and then Jamal Hill beat someone. Like, it just, the, the, the title picture in that division kind of got shaken up a little bit too much, so it would be nice to see some stability where there's at least a title defense or two or three, um, allowing that division kind of the ability to repair itself, and I think that's the best for the division. We love a good champ. We love a yeah. strong champ, and I think Pereira's quickly become kind of a fan favorite among people. Uh, not only in the UFC, but in that division. So I think that'll be very exciting to see. Yeah, I I, I totally hear what you're saying. You yeah. are a smart man. I went, I went, oh, I went auctioneer. You did your homework. You did your homework. Hey, buddy, I've been doing my homework. Want to talk a little NFL? How you doing? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first off, first order of business, Patriots fucking stuck. Yeah. Those guys are yeah. awful. Do you remember you remember that scene in SpongeBob? When SpongeBob's singing and the guy goes, Man, this guy's awful. Or this yeah. guy sucks. Do you remember that? Yeah. That's what I hear in my head every time they give that washed up, wasted draft pick bum, Mac Jones, the football, all right? Yeah. You take that fat, pudgy Alabama yeah. reject, even though he won with him. You take that Alabama boy, that 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 fat, pudgy, waste of space quarterback they call Mac Jones. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm using hyperbole. I just don't think he's the one. I think we need to no. t- tank. I think, I think we know that now. Here's the I question. We know that clear as day. Patriots tank. Mm. Okay. Do we even want Caleb Williamson? Well, that... Exactly, right? I'm calling it now. I think he's going to be a bust. I'm calling it right now. He's a bust. And the thing that I find the funniest, though, is it. Uh, so, I um, Ky- after Kyler's whole return this week and the way he played in the Cardinals winning, first of all, I don't think Arizona finishes last. I don't think they even have the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams. Second of yeah. all, Kyler Murray's probably one of, if not the most hated guy in the NFL, probably him and Russell Wilson, it seems like. And so everybody's always like, well, there's all these issues surrounding Kyler and he's more focused on other things than football and this and this. And it's like, number one, victory okay, but, they, but, but it's like, yeah, these are the same people down, saying to draft Caleb Williams. So it's like, why, why would you go from one guy who's a, apparently a cancer in the locker room and all these negative things? Why would you go out and get Caleb Williams? Who's not even in the NFL and is already demanding that whatever team drafts him, he gets part ownership. Like, so, and again, like it's, that's the thing is like Caleb Williams is one of, if like one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in, in recent years. But again, there's that issue of he's not even in the league and he's already making these claims and these demands and this and this and saying, if the team that I, if a team, it's the first overall pick and I don't like them. I might not go into the draft this year. I might wait till the following year. And so when you've got a guy like that, it just, yeah, it's like, is there some teams that kind of look and they're like, you know, this other quarterback here is not as talented, but he's probably a better long-term solution than this other guy who, you know, we, we don't know what, what demands he's going to make next or what demands he's going to make once a team actually drafts him, like it's, it, it makes it that much more interesting regarding the draft and who, who takes Caleb Williams. And on that point further, I don't think does USC even have that great of a record right now. They lost to Notre Dame. They Apparently lost to Utah. A really bad team. Apparently he's like the only one on the team. Like that's, that's keeping them afloat. It sounds like. It they are like losing the by a lot. Bad. They are losing by a lot. I'll give them that. But it, it's, yeah. And that's the thing, though. Like, you got to look at it and be like, what teams at the bottom there can potentially make something work with him? Because, I mean, for all we know, he he could get drafted and, and just be this, this 
you know, class A act, like a, a Sean Avery type guy, and just do all oh, the yeah. right things and goes on to have a very successful career and go on to be a, a great person after his career, like Matt Cook. Um, but but again, it's just like you got to look at the teams and be like, is there a team that he can go to and they can like w- would a guy like him and Bill Belichick work together? Like, could Bill whip him into shape and you know turn him into into the next Tom Brady, or is Caleb Williams going to be too much uh, have too much of an ego to to play un- under Belichick? Like, would he come in and be like, hey, I don't I don't like Belichick here, I don't like the coach, like. I'm your franchise guy. Let's get a guy in here that I want type of thing. Like you, you don't know. Yeah. It was just, there's so much uncertainty, but like the, again, that the talent is there. So I guess you got to decide. Do you, do you want the guy who's you think is going to be a, a better fit for the team long-term and in the locker room with the guys, you do take the guy who's, who's got the talent and with the right guys could, could, you know, could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I like it's it's tough. It's it's a tough tough scenario. I wonder are there are there other are there other quarterbacks you can look at that they could maybe look at instead of Caleb Williamson. Well, and 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 there's a lot of um, good quarterbacks coming up in this draft. There's also. I mean, if, you know, the way things are going for Chicago, uh, you know, they, they made it clear last year when they had the first overall pick, they weren't going Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. They're like, Justin Fields is our guy. They got an absolute haul for that first overall pick. Uh, one of those picks being Carolina's first round pick this year, who is dead last in the league and probably going to stay there. So if you're the Chicago Bears a second time now, you know, you and you've got a first overall pick, do you stick with Justin Fields and be like, we're going to ride with him again and get an absolute haul for that first overall pick, which I think is going to hold more value? Or do you use it and then Justin Fields is available? Like, could that be a... Could Justin Fields be a fit for, for a team like the Patriots? Like, Hell no. Hell no. So? We already have one draft bust on our team. Why would we trade for another? I, I think Fields still has a higher ceiling than what we're seeing right now, and I think if mm. you, I think if I, th- I, 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 again, it's tough to say though. Like, it, it would it would have to take the right system, and I'm not sure if the Patriots system is something he he that that can work with Fields. Like, I think if you got Fields, you might have to restructure how your offense kind of goes. And but yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, Patriots are. Or second last in the league right now. So who's if below they, them? Carolina? Yeah, Carolina's the only team below them. Uh but but I think if if they're there, I you gotta think that probably drafting a quarterback is is the route that they're gonna take. I think you gotta. I think you you need to at that point. And I think they already know the point that they're at. I think you really just start going heavy on scouting these quarterbacks and and just start planning already which guy you're you're gonna go for. Because if, say, for whatever reason, if the Chicago Bears are like, hey, we're sticking with Fields again, the first overall pick's available. If you're the Patriots, you might have to look at trading from, from two to one just to ensure that, you know, the, the Raiders or something 
doesn't trade up to the first and snag the guy that they've they've done all their homework on and that's the guy they want to get like but yeah i, I, I don't think know. that's kind of the route that that the patriots have to take so the um, the top 4 qbs are Caleb William, Drake May, um Shadur Sanders and JJ McCarthy. Oh huh? yeah. Yeah, never mind, yeah. I was just blanking on the names for a sec. Yeah, so I, I think Drake May's probably it kind of sounds like everything's kind of pointing to like he'll probably be assuming Caleb Williams like is still the first overall pick. Um it kind of yeah. sounds like like May will be the the second quarterback taken and the where where the Patriots sitting like that's the quarterback that's going to fall to them. Um I think he would be a good fit with the Patriots. I think that's probably again like talent-wise and all that. I think that's probably the guy that that goes second and if that and that's right there for the Patriots, I think you got to take that in and and run with it. I think that could easily be your guy for the next 15 years or or however many like yeah cuz they just haven't had that stability that they thought they're going to get from Mac Jones and I think if you got a guy there that you know can you can get that out of I think you 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 got to do it I think you have to I think I think if we're able to get a QB this year um we got to so real quick because um we're kind of running over our time a little bit here tonight um, Cardinals with the big win against the Falcons, B- little baby, little gamer Kyler is back, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, he's a fucking gamer. Did you see him in that game? Gamer and a half. CJ Stroud. Out. Speaking of gamers, oh, CJ Stroud. He's unreal. He's winning that defense or offensive rookie of the year. It's and it's not even close. Like there's, I think there's not he even a should debate. Be in the talks for MVP. You could make that argument, honestly. Like he is breaking record after record. Like he is. I think he's leading the league in passing yards. Probably, I, I think, and I think I don't think he has that many interceptions either. Like we're genuinely in a position right now where, in the current state of the NFL, you can make the argument Caleb or um, C.J. Stroud as a top five quarterback easily. Easily. Because in the NFL, all it is is recency bias. Yeah. Like, as if you were good last year or you're doing good this year, you're immediately up there. And, like, I would take a guy like C.J. Stroud a million times over a Josh Allen. Oh, my God. Josh Allen's doo-doo right like, now. There's, and, there's and really – the only guy you can consensusly be like, I would take him over Stroud is Patrick Mahomes. Because, like, it's – Mahomes has never wavered from being the, the number one guy uh, in that – position for for however long even burrow right now is struggling even yeah even burrow like but cj stroud and the texans just beat him yeah like, now when you put up 30 you gotta blame the defense a little bit well yeah but this is a Bengals team that has been lights out their offense has been electric since for the last two years and all of a sudden now it's just not cooking. Like, I mean, I think the Texans defense has been really good this year, but for a guy like Shroud to go out there and, and knock off a, a team like the Bengals, man, that's huge. And you think not about a team... Like, Texans are, have a decent record, too. What are they, 5-5 five and five five or and something? 5-4. and 5-4. and four. Like, people thought the Cardinals were going to have the first overall pick and second overall pick, that being their own, and then the Texans. And now the Texans are right in the middle of middle of the pack like they're they're balling out man 
They're doing pretty. They're sitting pretty. Why uh why why does Cardinals have their pick again? Um, because that was last year when the Cardinals had the uh the third overall pick and the Texans traded up to it so they could take Will Anderson. Okay. Which I mean he's he's looked looked good for the Texans. And I mean it would have looked like a, a like it it would look bad like the the Panthers trading for Bryce Young, where now it looks like they're trading away the first overall pick to the Bears, but this one looked is is looking really really good for the Texans now because they've already got their franchise quarterback. Like they don't need to have a high draft pick to get a quarterback because they've got that figured out, and then they've got a a beast player on on defense that now they've they've got to build their defense around going forward. So you've got your two you know franchise pieces and. And that's their future. Like that, that was a home run, home run of a draft for them. One hundred percent. I completely agree. Uh, so a lot of more exciting games out of the NFL last week. We had the uh, Lions and Chargers having a just what a, a game. iron range. Oh my god! What a game! Uh, score after score after score. Lions came out on top. I'm going to say it now. I think Lions are dark horse Super Bowl contenders, man. Oh yeah, what Hate did they do? They're you second want. in the league. Hate me all you want, but these aren't the old lines, baby. These are the Dan Campbell lines, and they are looking sexy. Like they, I I would love to see them go all the way, and I think this team can do it. And that would be awesome to see the comeback of of Jared Goff like that. You know, he does so much for the Rams for so long, and they decide to drop him for Matthew Stafford. I mean, it worked out for the Rams. They got their, their Super Bowl out of it. But it would be awesome to see Jared Goff now go to Detroit and and finish that there. You know, kind of what what Matthew Stafford went to the Rams and he got the Super Bowl over there that Goff couldn't do. It'd be cool to yeah. see Goff now go on and get the Super Bowl in Detroit that Matthew Stafford could never do. Yeah, that would be good. That would be, be, be a it, fun And then sport. it would look like, it'd be like, this is one of the most even and fair trades ever because both teams got a quarterback. They basically swapped quarterbacks. And then they each go on to lead their team to a Super Bowl win. Like that, that would just be a, that'd be the perfect end to that. That'd be awesome. That honestly would. All right. Uh, kind of wrapping up. Did you see the Broncos Bills game last night? Oh, you know, I did, dude. Should Chef we even... Russ. Oh, Chef Russ was in the kitchen, baby. Oh, he was in the kitchen. I loved it when he threw that hail mary lob pass and got bailed out by a yeah. fucking defensive pass interference oh i'm almost 99 sure that's all that play was oh yeah like oh that, yeah. that was 100 just throw it down draw pass interference and then we're good like that's and and you know what it worked or did worked. it ever boy did it ever um and right, even I, what happened after that though is like i say we save it for the clown report I want that one. Yeah. Cat. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're wrapping up here. Uh, real quick before we kind of get into the final parts of our episode. As always, we are partnered with the amazing Dubby Energy. Dubby Energy is the jitter-free, crash-free energy formula that you love, we love, and we all know and love. If you enjoy Dubby as much as we do, you can hop over to their website using the link in the PGO description and use three simple words at checkout. That is three simple letters, not words, letters, letters that are P, G, and O, and that's going to get you 10% off of your entire W order. That's right, folks. The three simple letters of P, G, and O 
are going to get you 10% off your checkout order at Dobby. And you can find the links in our descriptions on any of our social medias. Our social medias being PGO Show on Instagram and TikTok, at PG Overtime on Twitter or X, as the kids are calling it, and Post Game Overtime, Post Game One Word on YouTube, folks. Click the link in the bio and that will direct you to everything you need to know. Oh, yeah. We did that one quick. Boom. We did that one you quick. Smash that. Well done. Used to be called Twitter. Used to be. Now it's called back, back X. in the day. Now it's called X. Yeah. You have Big an X. X, Brandon? Hmm? Do you have an X? I do have an X, actually. I have an X, too. Well, I know you know that because you slept with her. Oh! Well, that is just not true. As soon as I said that, I was like, you're, I know where you're going to. You're going to go that route with it some way. I didn't know you were going to do that. That That was uncalled for. See, even the uncalled dogs are howling for. at that joke. Even your dogs love that. Yeah, even joke. my dog thought that was funny. <laughs> Buddy, I'm a dog. Dog. Anyways, with that, though, we do we do have a clown report. And um, I know you want to. You've got one you want to start off with here. I got one I want to start off. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. How many players should be on the field during a snap of an NFL football game? Oh, I For believe it's eleven. Are you sure? I I think so. I think in my no knowledge of the game, I've never played football, never coached it or anything. But I'm fairly confident in my small brain that that's what it would be. Yeah, it's not like we're any Matt Cooks over here. Yeah, no. Just regular guys that just lose bets and scream at the TV. Like, we don't know shit about football. But I I think it's 11. If I I was a coach, I would put 11 guys out there. Right? And honestly, I think I would do the same. Call me a strategist. I think 11's a good number of guys to have on the football field. I think it's the way to go, strategy. Strategy-wise, I think 11's just, it's a good number. Not too many, not too few. Now, Brandon. Yeah. Let's say it's the end of a game, and the team is going to rush out their kicker who has already missed a kick earlier that game for a game-winning field goal, and they yep. have no timeouts, and they're just going to rush him out. He's got to set quick, kick quick, and just yep. be quick with it. Yeah. And in that scenario, because now we're changing up the strategy a little bit. Yeah. How many guys would you put on the team? On the, on the- I mean, in that sense, like everything is working for the Broncos there. Like everything looks so good. They're primed to make that kick. I think you got to just throw an extra guy to, to try and try and spice it up a bit. Try and swing just, things just switch it up, get, get in their heads a little bit. Right. I, I I'm with you now. That's what, what if smart I told you. I, I agree. Now, what if I told you, cause we're just two regular guys. So we don't know this. What yeah, if I told you that actually, and I had to Google this cause I wasn't sure. Apparently, if you have 12 guys on the field, that's a flag. No. Yeah. That's, that's a penalty. That's not allowed, apparently. Wow. I had to Google this, and I fact-checked it. I went on Reuters, Wikipedia, everything. I fact-checked it. <laughs> apparently, if you have 12 people on the field and they're going to kick, they get to kick again, even if they miss the first kick. Huh. No kidding. I see I didn't know that. No kidding. <laughs> and you're positive. 
as as positive as you can be, man. I am as sure as Sean Avery on Fox News wearing a Happy Dad t-shirt. Huh. Well, I, I mean, that just makes no sense. I don't get it either. That makes no sense because, I mean, the game, the, the game of football is, is so action, fast pace and whatnot. You can't communicate to your players like that. In that well, short of time, like how would a coach go about that? I think I know if I'm Goodell moving forward, I would put little like speakers, like little microphones, so a coach can talk to some of his players. That's that's asking for a lot. I know, that's I know, asking getting, for a lot. Yeah, do you think that's too much of an ask? Yeah, I think we're just getting silly with it now. Getting silly here. Ladies and gentlemen, your Buffalo Bills are our clown of the week. Yeah, man. Like My God, Buffalo Bills. Boy, did you blow that. Sure, Russ Cook. Did he cook, though? He only threw for 193 yards. Did he cook, though? Did he? Did he cook? He cooked like Zeke on third and ten. Buddy, just eating, just munching, just going yum, 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 yum. Yes, he threw for two touchdowns, but do you know who threw for two as well? Not Josh Allen. He threw for two interceptions. He threw for 177 yards and two interceptions, folks. If we're talking about fumbles lost, Bills lost two fumbles, they threw two interceptions. Yeah. Ladies the, and gentlemen, the fact that they had four turnovers like that and still even had an opportunity to win the game is nuts in itself. Buddy, Russ cooks, dude, he did. Russ cooks, and they would have won the game if they didn't have twelve people. He missed the kick. And do you know what's I'm, even crazier I'm do my now? Jerry Seinfeld now. He missed the and what? Do you know what's even crazier now though? That's so the wait, bills you're, are you're kind of talking five. Well, we're talking no. Well, also that um, because I've said it since the longest time that I don't think Josh Allen is a, one of like, I mean, people were saying for the longest time, he's the second best quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. I never was on that wagon. It looks even better for me now. So I'm going to enjoy this moment. Um, but I will say we did talk about the great cup next weekend or this upcoming Sunday. That is going to be tough for the great cup to compete when Sunday night football is going on. And we have chef Russ going head to head with Josh Dobbs, man. Who would have thought that would be the matchup? Real quick, Josh Dobbs is cooking, and no one can tell me otherwise. Josh Dobbs yeah. put up a 27 spot against the Saints, baby. He was swinging his, his, his odds astronaut are, Like His baby. odds are, are starting to uh, change a lot now for comeback player of the year. Like More and more people are hopping on the wagon that Josh Dobbs should or at least if he can maintain the pace he's on or somewhat around there, that he should be a uh, comeback player of the year. Hey, man, I'm with you, man. I'm Which with you. I, I, there's a great case for it. Um, I, have, I only have one clown for this week, though. Let me hear it. Lay it to me, baby. Lay it's to it's me only been 16. a couple of days, um, but I'm, I'm going to throw the, the Edmonton Oilers on there. Um, I mean, just, just as a whole, like I could just point to management i could point to just mcdavid i'm gonna do them as a whole because just an absolute mess there for them uh awful start to the season they have now fired their coach which edmonton was claiming to be their coach of the future and the one that's gonna create the dynasty there with mcdavid dry jay woodcroft has been fired 
Um, I can't remember the new guy's name, um, but all I know is he was McDavid's uh, junior coach um, back when he played with the Erie Otters. So now with Connor McDavid there, he's now made, uh, he's gotten his agent to now be, I think it's their like president of hockey ops or something there. And now his old former coach is now his current coach in, in the NHL here. So it's basically turning into whatever McDavid kind of wants or what's best for him is what they're going to do because is he player coach. They, they wanted. Yeah. I, I'm almost starting to kind of wonder, like, I, I want to know, is it him making these demands and having all these things happen or is it Oilers management doing all these things to uh, make McDavid more happy and make him want to stay there? But at the end of the day, I think McDavid's got to at least have a say in stuff because if they're going to bring in a new coach, they're probably going to ask for their franchise or captain's opinion. I'm sure he's given them his sense on what's who's best or who he wants to see. And I think they're kind of just doing whatever he says. Um, and Jay Woodcroft honestly it. also had a fantastic record as as a coach with the Oilers. But I get it. Like, horrible start to the season. Something's got to change. Unfortunately, it's just him that has to go. But I'm going to just throw the whole Oilers on there, kind of like with the Bills. Just just a mess there right now. Um, so There's just not, nothing's going right for them right now. And I think it's just kind of weird to keep – doing all these things to make McDavid happy because then if McDavid leaves now it's like it looks even worse because like we just altered our entire franchise to keep him around and now we lost him and now you're probably not going to keep his former agent or his current agent I don't know what their relationship is exactly now but you're not going to probably keep him around you're probably not going to keep this coach that I don't even know if they fully wanted it was I think it was more McDavid's choice so then you've got to scrap and restarting that could just destroy their franchise for a couple years. Well, also just the fact if McDavid leaves they're they're screwed. But that's that's for another time and day. Fair enough. All right. Well I think that kind of wraps up the clowns. Yeah, but that's all I had. Other that's than that everybody else too. has been has been well behaved so far. Hey, everyone's been for behaving now. well should we do a quick check to AB's X real quick? Yeah, we might as well, right? We owe it to ourselves. We're going a little long here, folks. Sorry, we're, we're reaching an hour, 15, hour and a half episode here. See? No consistency here. What did we say? What did we say? Hey, we tried. We tried. It had good pacing. It did. I got a little uh, long ranting about uh, the UFC there, but that was my fault. AB really hasn't been active last couple of days. Okay, did you see his, did you see the clip of him golfing? I did, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that that was a tough video actually. He looks like a natural though, what can I say? Easy natural. He just looks so natural out there. Um Yeah, there's really nothing I'd rather there. be real and rejected than fake and accepted. Wise words. That's some poetry. And we're going to end that episode on that, folks. Thank you so much. Uh, we love you. We hope to see you next episode. And that next episode will be coming soon. Will it? Who knows? You'll find out next episode. Have a good one. Stay cute. And uh, PGO Nation, let's ride.